Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. John Worth, I'm here. It is this week's Sports Illustrated slash Tennis Channel Tennis Podcast. Talking a little doubles today. We have on our show old Indiana friend Rajiv Ram, who is a top 20 doubles player, ATP veteran, all-around good guy. He's given up uh, singles for a life of uh, playing with a partner. Um, he's now with Robin Klaassen of, uh, of South Africa, and they've had some impressive results we talked to raj about sort of life on tour what it's like being married in in your mid-30s and traveling the world as a tennis player we talked a little bit about doubles versus singles why he decided to uh give up the singles and go doubles only good talk good guy um indiana's own so a little uh, little hometown bias here um let's try and connect he is playing in asia right now and so the the skype machine is letting us down we're going to do this by conventional telephone line imagine that uh rajiv ram how are you how you doing good almost end of the season it's crazy yeah i was, I was gonna ask you I, I was just i was just reading about uh like neptune where on, on some of the moons the seasons last 40 years how how uh how long does it feel like this season's been we're, we're in mid-october how uh how, how are you holding up it's funny because i think seasons always like like you know when you start out you're fired up and you know as it goes, it, it goes kind of fast in the beginning, and then the middle part of it, you know, when we're in Europe in the, first, in the, in the summer, I think that, that part gets a little bit long, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, you're in Asia, and then it's almost over, and then it's like, wow, how, how did it go so fast? So it kind of, for me, it goes in stages a little bit. You're, you're, you're holding up okay, though. Yeah, yeah. Injury-wise, health-wise, all that, I'm, I'm all good. So I'm, I'm very... Uh, very motivated and end the season on a good note for sure. I, I always feel like physical and mental is, is too crass and they usually uh they're they're not two separate bins, but they usually play off each other. But what at this stage of the game, is is it is it the body or is it just sort of temperamentally and emotionally 
keeping it together with uh, with with ten and a half months on the odometer. More, more, I think it's more both, mental to be honest. Yeah. Like you said, they seem to play off of each other. Um, I think, you know, it's sort of, uh, I don't know, I, I, I feel like, you know, when your body's good, you, you're, you're happy to play, it's fun to play, you can play, you feel like at full at full capacity, which is a lot more fun than not, you know, than playing it you know, a little bit less than that. So, and, and by the same token, sometimes if your mind is right, you're able to tough out some things that, uh, you know, maybe if you're not feeling 100%, you're able to tough it out if you're, if you're mentally strong. I think the important part is just to make sure you realize you know, what your body's asking for. And, you know, if you need a week or you need a couple of days or maybe even, you know, even within a trip, a day off here or there or a lighter day or whatever it is, I think it's important to recognize that because you're not going to, you know, at this point, I don't think we're going to forget how to hit the tennis ball. Exactly. But, uh, you know, it's important to even have those even mid-tournament breaks, if you will, you know. I, I, I got a macro question before we talk specifics, but you're, you're 33. Yeah. You're married, top, top 20 doubles player. I mean, what? What's your life like? I mean, what what's this existence like at this stage in your career and in this stage of your life? I mean, it's funny because, I mean, it hasn't been that much different, you know, as tennis players go. I mean, it's not like, you know, you fall into this, you know, you know, in your, in your, your late teens or anything like that. You've usually been playing tennis, you know, quite regularly for some time. So it's, it's weird. It's not really that much different than, you know, any of the other, you know, my whole life, really. I mean, it's been, you know, it's been centered around playing the sport, and I, I enjoy it and stuff like that. It happens to be taking me around the world, which I certainly don't take for granted. But I think, uh, you know, I think, uh, right, it, it's like it's always been for me. I'm just trying to figure out how to get better, how to how to work on my game, you know, on a daily basis, what I can do to perform consistently and, you know, look at the guys that are the best players in the sport and try and, you know, take little tidbits here and there and just apply it to myself. And I, th- I think it's it's always kind of been about that for me. So it's not, not a whole lot has changed um, in that regard. You feel like you're still improving? Absolutely, yeah. Especially now now that I, uh, you know, am not playing singles anymore and uh, and really focusing on doubles. It's, it's almost like a, a second career within a career, you know. Um, it's, it's It's a completely different approach to playing the game it's it's way different than i ever thought it would be i mean i kind of always thought you know you, you would just sort of blend you just sort of dive into it and you know okay when singles this kind of comes an end it'll just you'll just go and you'll play doubles and it's totally not like that at all it's so much more the the, the practices are so much more specific They're, i'm doing things i never did in singles and i never you know and you have it, it's just a, it's a, such, such a different um sort of uh you know way to go about it that it, it feels like i'm getting better all the time, which is a lot of fun, actually. So what brought about that, uh, you know, maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, you were playing hop, you know, top top 100 ball and, and getting into main draws. What what led to the decision to go mm-hmm. doubles only? I mean, a couple of things. One, for sure, like you said, I'm not getting any younger. Uh, I think that's the first thing. I mean, if I could have kept my ranking at a level where I would have played consistently at tour events and, you know, Masters events and all that, um uh, I would have, I would have, I would have kept playing singles, no question. But right. I think what happened is my singles ranking kind of went down a little bit, and my doubles ranking went up. And so when that happens, the schedule becomes, you know, pretty different. Um, and you run into the issue of, well, okay, you're playing, you know, Madrid, Rome, or Cincinnati, Toronto, or any of these tournaments where I'd be in qualities of singles, which is still, you know, the cuts of some of these qualifying are top, you know, are 100 or maybe 110 at the worst at some right. of them, and 
But if I'm doing okay in doubles, I'm seated in doubles, so I have a bye, so I have to win a match or two to kind of get to the end of the weekend, so then I have to skip the next event in singles. So I ended up falling into a situation where I'd be playing a double schedule and then I'd have to add, you know, seven to ten weeks on top of that to kind of keep my singles ranking, you know, alive. And now I'm looking at a 40-week season at 33 years old, and that's just not very good math, you know, um, for a longer career. And I, I love playing tennis. I love, you know, I love competing. I love being on tour and I love this this whole idea, and I think you know my idea is I want to try and you know milk it as long as I can, and I just didn't think that was a great way to do it. So I, I did have to take a tough decision, but um, it was kind of staring me in the face a little bit. How, how do you handle the adjustment between, um, I, I guess, what I'll call sort of the the, the pampering and the grinding? Meaning, at, at some of these events, the, the courtesy car comes, and there's a massage and a smoothie bar. Yeah. I mean, the the U.S. Open is uh, you know it's it's a nice scene there in that players' lounge, and a week after, yeah. a week week later, you could be out of the draw, and you're you're back to standing at the. I, I'm thinking that most Americans, it's it's sort of all about getting the the Delta upgrade, and when you uh you 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 fly business class, it's a different experience than when you're s- sitting back and in, in, in coach. I, I feel like for tennis players, it's it's that in, in turbo mode. I mean, how how do you deal with the uh, this this gap between the, some some events treating you quite well, and then you're you're back to. Uh, going through security lines and, and waiting in line to uh, put put gas in your rental car. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? It's funny. It's like like even just this week, I mean, we went from uh, Tokyo to Shanghai, and it's like, you know, it's a nice event in Tokyo. They did a great job, a nice hotel, you know, courts, everything. And and then all of a sudden, you know, we lose, and then you know, we're up at 5 a.m. going to the airport. You know, granted, it was a, they took us to the airport, so that was very nice. But then you're at the airport, and you're, you know, it's, six in the morning and you're tired and you're frustrated because you lost the day before and you're eating I don't even know what I had for breakfast at the airport and it's like oh my gosh and then you get to Shanghai and it's another you know once again the car comes and it's like you know you kind of put back into that into that life of uh being a little bit spoiled at times so yeah it's definitely um a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde because like you get you get you like the same person but you're living two lives at times for sure Oh, my. But it's kind of like I said before, it's part of the job, you know, we, we've done this as tennis players, you, travel is, you know, is the constant, whether it's junior tennis or professional tennis or, you know, you know, master's events or futures or whatever it might be, there, there's always travel. So it's it's kind of like we, you know, we, we got that down, we got that part down pretty well. It's great, great life skill, if nothing else. Um, so I, I suspect this is a question you get asked most often when people find out what you do, which is the dreaded... Who would win a doubles match between Federer Nadal and, and the Bryans, or or Rahm and Klassen for that matter? <laughs> that that I, I, I get, you know I I get it. It seems like I mean if if you're a casual fan, that's that's a question. I I seems to make sense. It's a little. It's sort of on the order of who would win. You know, Serena or John McEnroe. I I can understand the instinct, but what what's yeah. your what's your stock? Yeah, that, that's a, what's that, your stock I, I'd rather stick with your doubles question. The other one's the dangerous question. Right, we won't we won't go there. What's what's your stock answer though? When uh, you're you're back home in Indiana and someone says who would win the top two singles players or the top two doubles players? I mean, look at the end of the day, I think there's no no question that if the top players in the world practiced doubles and really made it a priority that they would be awfully tough to beat. But I think the edge that we doubles players have is that, you know, we do spend hours and hours working on our craft and we do try and do things to negate, you know, and to try and not negate, but put ourselves in the best position to win no matter who we play. And those are things that a lot of the singles players, at least on the doubles court, don't do. Um, And that's what they do so well on the singles court. That's why they're, you know, 
ranked where they are. So I, I, I would say, you know, I would say obviously just like anything else, it's it's tough to say on the given day. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't count the Devils guys out. I think uh, especially a team like the Bryans. I mean, they've been doing it since you know since they they could put one foot in front of the other, and they're uh, they're they're special in that way. And I think it's uh, I think that goes a long way as far as you know who they could beat and. On a tennis court, you 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 can plug yourself there too. You uh you know you you and a partner. <laughs> um, what um you know I I wanted to I, I always like your origin story because I feel like so often in tennis you have these sort of these these outliers and these unicorn you know the Williams sisters obviously thoroughly unique story, Sharapova unique backstory. You you have a very conventional origin story. Um, why don't you sort of t- talk a little bit about it? You, you weren't exactly thrust Conven- into Conventionally the- unconventional, Yeah, right? exactly. I, I was thinking it's, it's almost like you ever hear the stories with the Fetters where, where Mr. and Mrs. Fetter were, were saying, like, boy, uh, I'm glad you've taken the tennis, but I think you should have more interest. Could you could you dial back the tennis and uh, maybe you want piano lessons on Tuesdays? Um, you're, you're, yeah. you're fairly – you, yeah, you were really. not exactly thrown into the hothouse of junior tennis, were you? No. I mean, I, that was – at the end of the day, it was always it was always my choice. I mean, I was lucky. I was really lucky in the sense that it was always my choice to play or not to play. And you know how how far I wanted to take it was going to be based on how much I worked at it. And that was that was it. And you know, my parents never thought it was a good idea to say, oh, you know, if we've got a kid who's got some talent and let's send him to this tennis academy or you know whatever. And if that was something I wanted to do, they would have been supportive. But that was never something I thought was going to yeah, sound like a good idea. So I mean. My tennis until I was 15 or 16 was basically just, uh, well, until I was 12, it was playing with my dad. And, and after that, for three or four years in Indiana, it was, you know, playing in the local club at the clinics and stuff with the other kids. And it was a, a glorified hobby until I was about 16 years old. And then it kind of turned a bit more serious. And I um, I really started to work at it. But it was never something that I uh, that consumed me um, at a young age by any means. You think that's still possible? I mean, you, you, th- you think in 2017 in this global sport that's never been more competitive, a, a player could get to the heights that you've achieved with a very con- conventional background like that of just, hey, I'll hit, hit with my buddies in the Midwest and, uh, hey, by 16, this is actually something I'm pretty good at. I mean, you think that's still possible? I do. I really do. Uh, I, I think that part of what makes me kind of able to at 33 still think about what can I do to get better because I actually enjoy being on the tennis court you know it's always been fun for me I talked to a lot of kids that I, even I grew up with and you know that are kids born in the 80s and their junior tennis experience was awful they you know it was competitive and it was always just not that mine wasn't competitive but it was all about winning and losing and who did you beat and who did you lose to and you know every day was sort of like you know at 12 13 14 years old is it's you know having to deal with pressures of you know, things that a kid that age shouldn't have to deal with. And I think that's a a big part of why kids maybe get the quote-unquote burnout. And then there's a few that fight through that and maybe turn into megastars. I don't know, but I feel like it's certainly possible um, to make the sport be fun and play it at a very high level. And I think in a lot of cases, it's actually the better way to go about it. What do do you do to make this sport more fun? I mean, I I see the the statistics are really grim on the number of players who, who enter a junior tournament Number of kids enter a junior tournament and don't enter a second one because it's such a stressful experience. What do you, what do you do to sort of fund this thing up for yeah. kids? Um, it's a great question. I would say I only have my own experience to go off of, and 
the best thing that my parents did was always made the result of what happened in a tennis match secondary. I mean, the 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 first priority was did you have fun? Did you enjoy it out there? If you didn't have fun, is it because maybe you didn't play so well, or was it because? And if you didn't win, well then maybe we can turn it into well let's go practice and get better and do that so that you can maybe win next time because that'll be more fun. It's not oh you didn't win because you're not very good or you're not you know it wasn't a negative connotation at all. It was like well what is it that is fun about this sport and a lot of times it was just the act of going out there and hitting balls and that was fun but you know as i got older and kind of got better and i wanted to i wanted to you know win more because that seemed like it was enjoyable to me I, I actually found the means to do that because i didn't have any baggage i guess from uh trying to you know manufacture that when maybe i wasn't ready for it you're, you're way too unflustered um did did craig tiley recruit you 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 played at illinois did did craig tiley uh was he your coach there? I don't know the answer to this. He was, yeah. He was my coach, and he did recruit me, yeah. Well, what was he? I mean, obviously, this is a, someone who's become one of the more influential and, and I think awfully well-regarded figures in tennis. What, what was he like as a college tennis coach? Yeah. He was pretty similar to how he is as a uh, as a well-regarded figure in the, in the international world of tennis, to be honest. I think that's kind of probably why he got to the position he's gotten to. I mean, he was he was – all about improvement, all about forward thinking. And if you look at, for me, the Australian Open probably does the best job in in general. Well, not the best. It's tough to say the best, but one of the best jobs in tennis as far as a tournament that is forward thinking. Um, He was never about, again, he was never about results in the here and now. He was talking to all of his players about, okay, what can you do to become better tennis players in the future, better people in the future? And I I think it was an important um, selling point for me that, you know, while winning national championships and and all that kind of stuff was was very important and it was going to be you know a goal it wasn't the ultimate goal for for him or i don't think anyone else on our team um and um i think uh he's sort of taken that attitude to uh, to his new job right now and and is consi- constantly trying to find ways to to make his event uh, and all of his events better in australia you uh you you didn't overlap with kevin anderson correct I didn't. I I left a little. I left early. I left after one year, uh, one season of of college tennis. And Kevin is two years younger than me, I believe. So if I would stayed, yeah. we would have overlapped. But Craig, I, if I'm not mistaken, Craig recruited Kevin, but I don't know if he coached him. Gotcha. But you you, you played more importantly. With oh, David. maybe he coached him for one year. Actually, now 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 that I think about it, Craig coached Kevin for one year. And then, uh, and then he left. Gotcha. But you, you did play with Daily Show correspondent Mike Costa, is that right? Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> no, no, did I play with him? No, I didn't play with him either. Can you believe that? I missed. I missed. I thought you the guys two were most like famous a... Alina. I missed. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I know. You know what? He, he Mike I th- Costa, I think you played Mike him in Costa juniors. was a. Huh? I, th- I think he mentioned that you, he knew each other from juniors. That, that's what it must have been. No, Mike Costa was there on my recruiting trip. He was a senior like the year before I would have gotten there, and so I I got to know him then, and and then when I started playing, he was actually still trying to be a tennis player when I started playing futures and stuff. So I I ran around with him a little bit before he uh, he got serious about comedy. I was going to say <laughs> Kevin Anderson's getting to the U.S. Open finals, all well and good, but you you had a uh, you, you had another member of the program who had a pie eating contest on the Daily Show a few weeks ago. Um, I, you know I, that's I, right. I I always wanted to well you you mentioned you you didn't graduate I, and. And yet, you know, your your parents are very educated, and, and education is obviously uh, something that's important to you. How, how do you sort of 
go about thinking long term about your education now? Well, to, to start with, I'm I'm hopefully going to graduate, um, get my bachelor's degree by next summer because I've been working on it online while I've been playing. So that's the first thing to start with. My mom, my mom was kind of a big advocate of my dad too, but my mom especially was said, you know, this tennis thing is great and you should do it now that you have a chance and you're of the right age. But you know, it's always going to be important to at least have that. And so for the last about three or four years, I've been working on uh, chipping away at my degree. Um, and uh, I'm actually pretty close. I'm actually a senior, if you can believe that. Hey. I'm pretty close to finishing it now, which I'm I'm actually excited about. So senior year, uh, that's the first uh, thing. Almost home. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually gonna I'm doing I'm the the school that I'm going doing it through is Indiana University East. So I'm I'm not a Hoosier, but uh, I'm in the same family, I guess, as you are. If there were if there were eligibility for uh, for you know. You, Venus Williams, <laughs> Vicky Duval, that's that's a hell of a tennis team, Indiana University East. Uh, could, I know, could put right? Together. I know. Uh, How about that? <laughs> we could we could uh, we could start a trend. It's a Davis that's <laughs> a uh, it's, it's like a Davis Cup Fed Cup team. Um what, what's your yeah. have you have you thought about uh sort of what what comes after tennis or are we still you know, I I, I don't want to retire you. You you've got colleagues who are ten years older than you are and uh you know, I think I think Daniel Nestor turned forty five yeah, at the yeah, US I got some Open. That are more than ten years older than yeah. me. Can you believe that? Well Leander is uh Leander's gotta be what, forty four. Nestor turned forty five during the US Open. Yeah, my so, boy uh, my my boy Danny my boy Danny Nestor is forty five, so he's he I, he's got twelve years on me. So uh <laughs> so you, you got twelve more years. So in in about uh you know, in, in twenty in twenty twenty nine we can talk about what you're doing after tennis. But um <laughs> I mean, are are you? Do, do yeah, you have exactly. an eye? Do you sort of have an eye toward uh, career two point or or is we're still squarely in in tennis world? No, I mean, look, I'm definitely squarely still in tennis, but it's not it's not like it hasn't crossed my mind. I'm certainly aware of the fact that I'm not 19 anymore, and you know, I'm I'm on the back half of my tennis career, which is I'm totally at peace with that. I'm fine with it, no no problem at all. Um, but funnily enough, even though I didn't stay in college very long or play college tennis for too long. I, I think it's an unbelievable arena and an unbelievable environment for um, not only the kids, but the coaches and the parents and the, the people, the, the whole, the whole family involved, I should say. And I, I was very lucky. Like I said, I had a very good experience, albeit quite short. Um, and so one of the big reasons I, I did decide to um, start working on my degree is, is to hopefully one day maybe get into college coaching or at least have that be an option. Um, I just think it's uh, it's a really cool environment and a really neat way that you can you know put an influence on kids at a at a very influential age in an environment that's really different um, to most coach player relationships in tennis. You know, because as a player, you pay your coach, and you know, it's a, whether you want it to be or not. There's always going to be a little bit of a power struggle of who's who's kind of the boss. But in college tennis, you know, you're as a coach, you're paid by the institution, so you can really I feel like do do what you feel like is completely best for your for your players, and um, you know you can have a really a, a big group, and it's challenging in its own ways, I'm sure, but uh, I think it's a really a really cool environment and, and a great way to help. I, I want to ask you about sort of uh, the, a little more about the life of a doubles player, and one of them is you're you're sharing a locker okay. room, you're, you're sharing a locker room with the singles guys, and you're you're seeing them in in the lounge and at the hotel, but it's a different draw. I mean, how? When when you know Nick Kyrgios walks off the court after a first set tiebreaker against Stevie Johnson, or Nadal does X, Y, and Z. I mean, how attuned to you are how, how attuned are you to the goings on in the singles draw? 
I'm pretty in tune. I mean, I think most of the guys playing doubles, you know, it, it, I, I can't really say this for everybody, but I'm assuming that most everyone started to play tennis not to necessarily be a doubles player. I mean, every, everyone got to a certain success level in singles to make it to this point in doubles. So I think, you know, we we all are very in tune with the uh, with the singles and what's happening. And as as I think that even you know a decent for a decent amount of the singles guys are are in tune with what's happening on the doubles court. And I think uh, I think that's one of the better things about our tour right now is actually we're we're, we're less divided possibly than we ever have been before. Um, you know, singles guys can use their rankings to play doubles events, and I think you know doubles guys actually enjoy that challenge and enjoy playing against some of the biggest stars in the game in an arena where they feel pretty comfortable and they feel like maybe they can have wins over them and I think um, singles players also see it as a challenge at times and I I just think that the tour is actually a a pretty friendly place to be right now and um, you know I think that's got a lot to do with you know obviously some of the older guys that you know the guys have been around for a while and guys like Roger and Rafa who've kind of carried the sport and um it's uh, I, I think I think everyone's pretty well versed in what's happening. Yeah, I, that's a good point, though. I mean, I, I don't know how much of that is, you know, Roger's a nice guy, Rafa's a nice guy, Murray's a nice guy, and how much of that is just when you're dealing with thirty-year-olds and thirty-five-year-olds, it's much different than twenty-year-olds and twenty-five-year-olds. I mean, I, th- I think some of this culture starts at the top, and and Federer and Nadal get a lot of credit for that. But I also think, you know, like any workforce, the dynamics are much different when people are in their 30s and are and are married and have more perspective than you know 18 and 19 year olds who are still figuring things out that's really true actually i didn't think about that but that's a great point you see more you know players both men and women with their spouses or kids and it's like a family affair you know and I, maybe that's how it was you know back in the 70s 80s i don't know but certainly when i first started on tour it wasn't like that i mean you know 30 years old and you're kind of pretty much you know done with your career if not almost done and now you got guys playing you know their best tennis not even at 30 but at 31 32 33 even and beyond and i think um just because they're better tennis players they're, they're definitely probably more mature people they have families like you said they have other priorities and other things in their life and i think it's just a you know a more mature place at times for sure the tour is and i think that's um probably a big part of it I feel like doubles always gets a little bit distorted by the Bryans, who people read about them, or they they you know there's a 60 minutes piece. People people watch them and they say, oh, this is this incredibly close relationship these doubles teams have, and they share ATM cards and they uh, go have every meal together, and um, it's it's distilled through the lens of of identical twins. And then you find out some of these doubles players barely have a, a relationship at all when they're not playing tennis, what's, what's your sort of characterize your relationship right now with your partner? And also what just in general, kind of what's, what's the level of attachment detachment, obviously varies from team to team, but sort of what, what's the, what's sort of an average doubles team relationship like when they're not blood related? I mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think it, it really varies based on personality. Like for me, I mean, speaking completely candidly about myself, I would have a difficult time being, you know, partners with somebody who I didn't feel like I got along with off the court to at least to a certain extent, you know, and someone I could talk to things about outside of tennis or even, you know, when you're talking about, you know, geez, how do my, how am I going to try and win a grand slam event or, or a master series event or, or whatever, you're going to have to get into some, you know, 
pretty vulnerable situations and talk about things that maybe you're not the most comfortable to talk about. So, you know, you have to feel like you trust, you know, your partner, at least I feel like that's the best way to go about it. And I feel like that's, you know, other than being, you know, fantastically skilled, that's one of the things that the Bryans really have on a lot of the other teams is they, they don't have any, um, issues kind of divulging those things with each other. I'm sure. I mean, they're identical twins, like you said. So for me, I mean, I think there definitely is an importance to have a, a, uh, an off court relationship with your partner to a certain extent. And then, um, you know, it, it, the chemistry seems to blend a little bit better on court that way. But I, I, I would guess. But what, but what about you? What, what about you right way. now? I mean, really, just what's that? No, I mean, you, you know, you're you're obviously the the Bryans are an extreme case where they can, you know, hit each other in the groin with their tennis rackets uh, back at the hotel, and they don't have to worry that anyone's going to break up and find a new partner. But what what about you now? I mean, are you exactly? Are you, are you having every meal together? Are you guys, you know, texting each other when you're at different locations every day. I mean, what's what's kind of the the level of intimacy? I mean, it's when you're when you're out at the same tournament playing, you know, playing the same event together. Obviously, your schedules are pretty well intertwined. I mean, you're going to practice at the same time. You're going to play a match at the same time. You know, it it, it, it you end up having a lot of meals together and a lot of a lot of uh, you spend a lot of time together. When you're away, I think it's also good that you know we we both are married. He's his wife's gonna give birth their first child at the end of December, possibly you know beginning of January. Like they got, we got a lot of stuff going on. We just bought a house early this year, and we're you know we're doing a lot of work with that. So we both have lives on our own, which is great. I think it's nice to have those times to you know have you know other life things go on, so that it sort of you know gives a nice little separation, so that when you do kind of come back to the tour and you do you know come back to the tennis arena, you are actually you know fully ready to go and mentally willing to divulge into sort of the depths it's going to take to try and do well. Um, but I also think it's cultural, you know, I think, you know, some, you know, this is a global sport and I think some of the things you have to deal with is realizing that not everyone grew up in the same culture as you did. And maybe, you know, maybe it's easier if you find someone who did to did and thinks a little bit similarly to you, you know, to you and doubles to try and, you know, get some of those same feelings across the board. Um, because it's not the case. I mean, it's not like, you know, we're not, talking about playing at Carmel High School anymore here where everyone's kind of grown up with similar backgrounds. Go Greyhounds. Uh where um n- name yeah. what what NFL player went to well we'll we'll talk Carmel High School later. What um where where's your house? Where where you where's your home base these days? In Indy? Well, I mean, so both of our parents live in Indiana. My right. my parents live in Carmel still in the same house and then um uh, her parents live down in Evansville, so right. we do spend a fair bit of time in Indiana still, which is great, and it's fun for both of us. And then she comes from a big family, so she's got three sisters who all, all happen to live out on the West Coast in the Northern California area. So we uh, we kind of, when we go back to Indiana, the parents both have houses there, so we didn't really feel the need to do anything there. But we uh, we did we did purchase a property out in the in the Bay Area to have out there, and it, it actually works great because we have a niece and a nephew who are eight and. Six six i believe and um obviously the rest of the family and san francisco is a pretty easy place to travel in and out of and it makes for a nice getaway from some of the cold indiana winters so we uh yeah we just uh that's what we're working on right now it's a little project of ours um last question what is one goal one goal you want to achieve before graduation i mean what's what's uh if if you're playing for one thing right now what is it I'd like to win a Grand Slam. I mean, we—I was lucky enough to win a Masters event this year in Indian Wells, and um, 
so you know sort of the next step up in our in our sport is to is to win a major last year was a a, a great year and a tough year all, all in the same it, it's funny i mean i i played a lot of big matches and which means i got to a lot of big opportunities but i didn't quite get over the hump in, in any of the ones that i would like to I ended up losing you know the gold medal match the olympics the olympic uh, the u.s open mixed doubles final um you know a, a couple more uh so i, I definitely right. like to try and um uh, you know play uh in a men's doubles major final and, and hopefully win it and um you know that'd be a, that'd certainly be something I'd be is sort of the next thing that I w- I'm working towards. Um, thanks for this. It was good, good, uh, good talking, good catching up. It's been a while. Yeah, uh, well, it was my pleasure. The uh, having me on. No, good, good luck with senior year. Good, good luck. Uh, finish strong. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's mid October. You've got uh, you got four more weeks, and you got a little break. But uh, thanks. This was great. Good. Uh, yeah. Get get hopefully, get. Well, hopefully, hopefully a few more than four. Hopefully we have, or at least one more than four. We're we're in the running for the uh, the World Tour final. Yeah. Right. Get get to uh, yeah. Exactly. We, we got to play. So we're eight right now. We need to put up a couple more good results. And um, yeah, we that that was one of the coolest events I ever got to. I, I've gotten to play so far. So I definitely want to try and go back there again this year. I was looking at the race. You you still got time. You're you're in the running. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's I, right. The, uh, in there with a shot. That's all you. That's all you want. You, you watch, uh, just like Hoosiers. Yeah. Um, all right, good man. You you represent Indiana well. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. So do you. Ah, oh, appreciate that. All right, we'll uh we'll we'll talk soon. But thanks. This is great. Okay. All right, John. All right. Talk to you later. Safe. See you, Raj. All right, that does it for this week. Thanks to our guest Rajiv Ram talking a little doubles. Nice guy, isn't he, Jamie Lasanti? Yes, he is. <laughs> We're going to bring you into these more. Um, again, we take our tips from uh, from Richard Deitch, who um, includes his producer. How do you feel about uh, an athletic career where you can play for 25 years? Sounds good to me. That he, sounds like uh, sounds like media these days. He, I like how he didn't start out like very very focused. That he, you know, like you said, his parents gave him the ability to choose what he wanted to do you know they didn't put any pressure on him and i like that he still thinks that that is doable in today's sports world it's not coming to me but there's some adage about diamonds sometimes the less pressure the better the diamond it again it's like roger Federer, where uh it was not about academies and traveling the world for junior rankings this guy played on his high school tennis team and decided hey i'm pretty good at this i'll uh i'll give this a shot but um no, his, his parents were sort of like, what are you doing? Isn't it time to study a little more and hit that ball a little less? Which, again, is at odds with uh, a lot of tennis parents who want their kids to practice harder. Um, all right. Thanks, as always, to Jamie. Jamie is a terrific producer here. Thanks to Rajiv Ram. We will have a new guest. Um, I'm actually out of the country next week, so we'll have to figure that out. But uh, we may have a new guest next week. And if not, we'll take a week off. But uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Tennis season winding down, but uh, we are still working here. Are we not, Jamie Lasanti? Always working. Always working. Um, All right, that does it for this week. Uh, Feel free to leave us a comment. Feel free to suggest additional guests. The suggestions are always good. And um, you can download this on iTunes. Where else are we? uh, Where where else are we sending people? Google Play. Google Play. Apple. Apple Apple Podcast. The podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, that does it for this week. Feel free to leave a comment. Feel free to leave a rating. Always a pleasure, and we'll try to do it again next week. Have a good week, everyone. (laughs) 